Michigan Short Track Racing Authority is Horsepower Happening. Curtis Roberts, welcome to Horsepower Happening. The Northport, Florida driver, Danny Sams III, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. Travis Stemler, welcome to Horsepower Happening. Steve Irwin, welcome into Horsepower Happenings, my friend. Director of Race Operations for the ASA Stars National Tour, Joe Ballas, welcome. Over 50 years of industry experience, from behind the wheel to behind the microphone. Here comes Stambaugh into turns three and four. Stambaugh to the lift. Stambaugh sideways, Greg Dolman wins. Yeah, guys, wholesale uh, right side tire changes. That that seems to be the decision. All down mode. Exclusive interviews every week. Hear from drivers, track owners, series promoters, and so much more. You know, after about eight hours of months in medical center, they uh, they were pretty adamant about me staying out of the car for quite a while. It'll be at least my first stab at driving a race car that I haven't prepared from end to end, that I'm not calling the shots on, all of that, all at once. Plus, local news, analysis, and opinions you didn't ask for. She is not going to have any excuses. That is some of the best equipment there at Anti Camp and Racing that money can buy. This points fund is massive. These races are massive. These are some of the most high-paying races in the country. From the north side towing of St. John's Studio, presented by CNT Services, here are Zach Heiser and Rich France. Good evening, race fans, and welcome into another edition of Horsepower Happenings. Glad to be with you on a beautiful and warm Monday. Man, it's going to be warm this week. Stay safe, stay hydrated, and uh, let's talk about what's happening in a Motor City Minute. How about Willie B., William Byron? Sunday's NASCAR Cup Series Let's Go Bowling at the Glen went to Willie B. At Watkins Glen, he led 66 of 90 laps en route to win number five of the season. His first win in 26 attempts on a road course. Sam Mayer would grab the Xfinity win on Saturday after uh, giving what some people would call a little taste of his own medicine to Mr. Gibbs. Uh, and uh, Gibbs fired back, too. He didn't mince his words in his post-race interviews, so uh, keep an eye on those two moving forward. Jake Garcia got by Stephen Nassie with 19 laps to go to grab the win in the Summer Nationals 125 for the ASA Southern Super Series at Crisp Motorsports Park in Cordial, Georgia on Saturday. And 19 years after his first topless 100 win, Dale McDowell. Not exactly a household name, but people know who he is now. Once again, 19 years later, picks up his second win in the Crown Jewel event Saturday at Batesville. The 57-year-old led the final 66 circuits to grab the 50 thousand dollar payday those things and so much more happening tonight on horsepower happenings good evening welcome in i'm zach heiser rich france joins me from across the way good evening sir today was a rough day at work i'm telling you yeah yeah that you'll have that i i had a long day friday and then i mean we got to spend two days uh, parts of two days together yeah That's the same racetrack though right yeah it all started for us uh well actually it started for you at owasso speedway for the uh sanctioned practice for the cra uh, Jake CRA All-Stars Tour, and then you hopped in the family sedan and uh, may have broken a couple of basic Michigan uh, road laws and got to I-96. Every I one of them. Every <laughs> one of them. <laughs> and got to I-96 in time to catch the green flag action of uh, feature races. Yeah, it was great. Um, you know, it, it had been a long time since we'd seen UMP late models. Oh, my goodness. At I-96, and it just reminded me. I was, Zach, I was not standing next to you for five minutes. And I remembered why I just love watching those cars yeah. race at I-96. It's just, just amazing. What a show it was. And so let's talk about it. Uh, Friday night, I-96 Speedway, as we alluded to, hosted the Great Lakes Super Sprints, UMP Late Models, and the Midwest Dirt Compact Touring Series. Great Lakes Super Sprints, the first show of the night. 
and it was a dandy. Max Stambaugh, J.J. Hickle, Devin Doby, Kelsey Ivey out in front of the field early, and uh, Devin Doby led some laps. Looked like it was going to be his race to lose, Rich, but then Stambaugh reeled him in and got around the Wapakoneta, Ohio driver. It wasn't all over, though. Stambaugh had to deal with Probably the most cautions we've seen all season, Rich. Attrition was huge on Friday night. A lot of cars dropping out. No big wrecks, but just little things that kept happening. So Stanball had to survive a lot of restarts. And then in heavy lap traffic, we finally saw the white flag wave. Stanball looked like he was going to have to deal with Devin Doby to get the win, but then Doby blew it off the cushion in turn two. J.J. Hickel got by for second, Rich, and at that point, I figured race is over. Stambaugh's got it made because Hickel's half a straightaway away. <laughs> oh, boy, was I wrong. Coming out of turn number four, Stambaugh had trouble on the bottom of the racetrack, just could not get that car to go, and I think J.J. Hickel airmailed it into turn three, never lifted, it doesn't seem, and at the line, Stambaugh gets the win. They almost wrecked Rich. As Stambaugh closed the door, Hickel was there. He had to back out of it, or they would have wadded him up on the front stretch. That's how much ground he gained. Uh, so Hickel finished second. Lamberson got around Doby for third. He was able to hang on for fourth. That's Doby. Double D, Dustin Daggett from 11th, finished in fifth. Luke Griffith, the hard charger, coming from 15th to finish eighth. Dirt car UMP late models, Rich. You got to see the show. How about it for the McClure, Ohio driver, huh? The Rusty Schlenk show showed up again, didn't it? I'm telling oh you. Oh, my God. I, I, I don't know how many times he needs to go over the top in one and two, but every time <laughs> he does, he just gets better and better afterwards, doesn't he? Yeah, he slammed the cushion a couple of different times. J.R. Hanavy got out to the early lead in 13 and uh, looked like it was going to be his show, man. And, and, because, and the reason I say that is Rusty kept blowing it off the cushion. It's been a long time since everybody's seen this racetrack, and, and Rusty showed that, but... In traffic, once again, Schlenk got it handled and from eighth went to victory lane ahead of Hadovy. Uh Travis Demler third from sixth. Brandon Thurlby, who led the first couple of rotations, finished in fourth. Garrett Wiles looked good early. He would settle for fifth. But how about the Coleman Comet? Curtis Roberts, zero, Rich. Count them, zero laps on the racetrack until the 25-lap main event. He didn't run hot laps. He didn't qualify. He didn't even run his heat race. 21st? to sixth if we'd have seen a caution in that race we may have been talking a completely different we have been talking to him today i can guarantee you that uh because that would have been impressive but uh roberts settled for sixth. the uh, other drivers that were there jared gwynn in seventh rob andrzak came up from ohio he finished eighth bry johnson ninth and phil osra rounded out the top 10 great lake super sprint series weekend continued into saturday where they went to butler motor speedway for the uh Double header weekend, or excuse me, double header uh, night of racing, 360 and 410 sprint cars at the 3 8 High Banked Oval, and it was J.J. Hickel once again. From the outside of the front row, Hickel piloted the 50-year shingles machine to victory lane. Keith Shefford Jr., in a surprise uh, last-minute move, got behind the wheel of the Rhino Racing 10BR uh, because Jason Blonde was racing with the must racing sprints at Lorraine. So the seat was open, and Sheffer took it. He went from fifth to finish second. Jack Nichols started on the pin, gathered his best career Great Lakes Super Sprint Series finish in third. Brad Lambert's in fourth, and uh, Ryan Rule in fifth for the 360 Sprint Cars. 410 Sprint Car Division, how about the double-down trophy? From the pin to victory lane, J.J. Hickel in the 50-year shingles 410. Goes to victory lane. Boston made second. Bryce Lucius in the third spot. Darren Knight a fourth. Keith Sheffer Jr., rounding out the top five. So there you go, Rich. Sprint car weekend uh, was a big weekend in Michigan for the wing sprint cars, so we'll have a look at the Jim Coffee and Sun Plumbing and Heating Power Rankings later this week. 
On the flip side of it, Rich, uh, I'll let you get us started because we both, once again, had the opportunity to be together on Saturday. We traded in our tear-offs for some slick tires and some uh, big noses. Masters of the Pros, Jank CRA All-Stars Tour, 184 laps, $10,000 at the freshly repaved Owasso Speedway. Yeah, it was my my first trip there, for my first race to see anything. And, um, you know, right out of the gate, I want to thank uh, – I want I want to crank – Thank Chris Foby and Roger Williams for, man, um, their hospitality. Uh, we got to work together through that. Uh, I still stayed back there in the dirt a little bit, let you guys hang up in the cool air conditioning uh, while I kind of sweated it out on pit road. But uh, 23 cars took the green flag, Zach. And, man, it, at the beginning of that race, you just kind of had to feel the same old, same old, right? I mean, you've seen Carson Hosevar. Um, I'll tell you, when Crump jumped out to the lead, I was like, oh, man, we just did this in June. <laughs> we just did this. <laughs> and then Carson Hosevar uh, had a problem on his last lap in qualifying. Had to come going from ninth. Three. He did, yeah, he, so he had to start ninth, and it didn't take him long to decide that he was there to race. Um, he got up front, and it just you, you just kind of thought, and, and you can give me your thoughts, it's just about – Probably 50 or 60 laps in, it just felt like it was going to be the host of our Crump show for a while. Yeah, once Hosovar got up there and everybody kind of settled in, you know, Hosovar, or excuse me, Crump, Hosovar, Berta, those three just kind of toyed with each other uh, th that first stint. Uh, run up on one another, kind of put a little pressure on, and then fall back. Run up on each other, put a little pressure on. Really, Hosovar fell back quite a bit in that third spot, let Berta and Crump go. And uh, then, Rich, we get a restart with 70 laps to go, and the complexion of the entire race changes. Yeah. Going into turn number one, apparently Birch Run was still in the minds of a couple of drivers, and uh, they renewed that. Carson Hosevar, uh, Kyle Crump, make contact. Now, you Crump had a different perspective than I did, because you were over in the turn one uh, spotter stand, so kind of tell me how you saw everything. Oh, it was rough. It was rough going in the corner. It was Chase had to be up on his toes with what I saw that looked like it was going to happen. And it just kept getting worse and worse through the corner. I didn't know that Kyle was going to save it, to be honest with you. Yeah, oh, I'm in. I mean, either. <laughs> and then, you know, the door just opened up. And, I, and my first thought was, no, don't do it. <laughs> well, no, Chase couldn't avoid himself. So off of turn number two, I, I think what Chase thought initially I can beat them off the corner, and I'm going to take two for one. And in a, in a super late model, Rich, he probably does, right? Yes. I mean, with that amount of contact and as sideways as Kyle Crump was, he should have been sixth coming off turn two in a super late model. They come off turn two, and they dead were even. all three wide. Yeah, dead even. In and, and it was a drag strip. And then I closed my eyes <laughs> because they weren't getting through three and four, and they didn't. Yeah. Yeah, you know. so, and I kept my eyes open because I had a job to do. Carson Hosevar come off the top of the racetrack, come off the lip, and uh, whether he got loose or whether he got mad, that is uh, not uh, something I'm going to speculate on. Only one person knows what happened. Uh, he hit the absolute everything out of the 50 car and ripped the right front suspension off. That ricocheted Crump down into Berta. Crump and Berta go through the grass, and Rich, I don't know at what point you opened your eyes, but... Crump's car dug and turned. Chase's kept sliding, and as he went for the racetrack, I thought, oh, no, we're about to lose half the field right here in turn three and four. But what a job of driving, not only by Chase, but the rest of the field to get and the spotters, right? Let's give the spotters some credit. 
to get woed up, give Chase room to get back on the racetrack. And then we stayed green for half a lap while we counted the lap <laughs> and to see yeah. if Crump was going to be able to keep going. So, yeah, and then, wild. But, but after that, you know, okay, so they, they, they haul Kyle Crump back to pit area. He's done. So now now Chase Bird and Carson Hosovar got to restart. They, they got to – now they got to work their way up through the pack again. And um, it, it kind of – I think that was a kind of a reality check. Things kind of calmed down for just a little bit there until they got to the 100 lap rock, and they were able to get back to fix their race cars. Um, so they got back there, and then Chase came out and seemed like he was all right. The problem was on the restart, there were four or five drivers that didn't take tires, and we thought that might happen. Yeah, Hosovar led from lap 77 to lap 100, where the field went pit side, and then you had a decision to make. And uh, Austin Hull, one of three drivers who said, we're going to stick with what we got and, and try for track position. Uh, no tires. He goes to the front of the field, and uh, it was two, two laps before Carson Hosovar got back to Austin Hull. Now, there was a caution thrown in there as well, but uh, two laps, Hosovar's back to the front. He'll lead to lap 117. And then somebody released the bull because Chase Berta was there and started battling for the lead, Rich. Yeah, and that 14 car, as quick, as good as he was uh, the first 120 laps or so, it got bad that quickly. That yeah. car went away. Um, nothing... Carson Hosovar could do. Uh, Evan Shotko threw his name in the hat for a while. Yeah, Shotko uh, Nick, did Nick, lead some laps. And, and I just want to qualify the Hosovar comment. Hosovar, I think, was trying to play it right <clears throat> as far as how to play the race. When Nick Egan and Evan Shotko got together, those two cars, uh, Egan jumped the left rear of Shotko and got stuck together for, for about the length of a corner. Crump had nowhere to go. He was stuck behind those two. And, and Hosovar. Yeah. yeah Hosovar. Excuse me, Hosovar. And, uh, right, so that's how he got marred back as far as he did. And after that, right, you're kind of defeated. It's You only got 40 laps to go or 30 laps to go when that happened at this point. Uh, just bring it home in one piece probably for him. Yeah, and, and that's probably – that that was the hardest thing, I think, for Chase Berta uh, because Nick Egan was running real well up He front, was, right up yeah. He was in the top five. Chaco. They were battling for that second spot, I think. Yeah. And and uh, right when that happened. And then that was probably the hardest thing for Chase Berta. Really didn't have a whole lot of pressure at that point um, and really never had any serious pressure the rest of the way. And then the best thing for Chase Berta was the battle between Dan Leak and Steve Dorr because Steve Dorr came through that pack like a bull after his pit stops. Steve Dorr and almost went a lap down. Uh, they made a late decision on one of the, the mid, uh, what do you call this, the, the second half of the race in the middle of that, um, made a late decision to go back pit side. And when they did that, the field was coming to green when he got released. And uh, so he, he had to do that. And then they went to the pits again after that, Rich, and Whatever they did to that car, it was a big help because, uh, as you mentioned, got back up to third, probably had a car good enough for second with a caution. <laughs> I don't know. It's hard to tell because he did. He came through the field. Yeah, I, you know, it was over two and a half seconds to get to Chase Berta, so that would have taken quite a while. I think that would have been a big stretch if they would have stayed green. Like, But like you said, a yellow and you're going to put him next to Berta and it's a whole different story. I don't know, yeah. but Chase Berta was still strong. I think once he 
had that two, two and a half second lead. I do not think that he was running that car for all it was worth. Um, I think he was saving it because you never know when you're going to need a restart. That's right. And and he had to have something else left just in case he got a late race restart. Chase didn't need it, drove that thing to victory lane, and picked up the biggest payday of his young career. And, and what again, over two seconds, his advantage at the line. It wasn't a give me win, uh, and sometimes people try to qualify wins like that when they're the first or they're the caliber of this. Um, that Berta Motorsports team, man, they put the whole thing together, and really all weekend long as you were talking to them. Yeah, they should. They were confident before he had ever jumped on the racetrack for any practice session on Friday. I said, how's your car? He goes, we're going to be really good. <laughs> he goes, we were good here last time. We just had a problem. Yeah. Right? So... I said, really? And so from the minute one, every practice session, I talked to him. How is it? Really good. Really good. They never wavered and said, oh, we got work to do. Yeah. Um, and he showed up, showed up on Saturday when that green flag dropped. And boy, that, that, that young man wasn't lying. He had a great race car all weekend long. Leaks uh, able to hold on for second ahead of Steve Doerr, who finishes third. Michael Simcoe started fourth, finished fourth. Nice day for the 45 machine. Got to be happy with that. David Leaf, probably a surprise finisher in the top five. Uh, you know, let's just be honest about that. Great run for the Holland, Ohio driver. Kevin Cremonesi, sixth. Carson Hosevar, seventh. Nick Egan ends up eighth, even after everything. Evan Schottko, ninth. And Austin Hull in his first ever time at a racetrack not named Berlin Raceway. Not in a late model, not, you know, in, you know, uh, a pro car ever, Rich, ever. First time ever at a racetrack not named Berlin Raceway. And he was one of the drivers that decided not to take tires and led some laps. Yeah. Coming back after the lap 100 rake. Austin Hall did a nice job, stayed out. Now, he, you knew that wasn't going to last with, without taking any tires, with right. all the power behind him. But he was out there, got some TV time, and and was leading quite a few laps after on that after that lap one hundred uh, restart. So, pretty cool for that race team. All in all, want to echo what you said, Chris Roger. Uh, great hospitality by them. Rex Wheeler, uh, Jeff Parrish, the entire staff. Um, I love going to Owasso, man. They they make you feel right at home. Yeah, had a great time. Got to sit down uh, for a little while. Thought I was just going to have a quick conversation with Rex Wheeler, and I think. By the time I walked away, it was an hour and a half later. Rex we is just a good sat and talk. Rex is a good looking dude, isn't he, Rich? He is, and now Rex <laughs> knows he's a good looking dude. <laughs> we'll leave it like that. Uh, we'll leave it yeah. there. Next time you see Rich, ask him about that. <laughs> but uh, on the phone lines now, we have the gentleman. I met him in Victory Lane, and he just had a lot of confidence all weekend. Wrapped it up, picking up the Master of the Pros 184 at a Wausau Speedway. Chase Berta, welcome into Horsepower Happenings. Thank you, thank you, uh, guys, for having me again. Man, we t we were talking Friday. We'll we'll kind of work our way through everything, but we started talking on Friday, and you had so much confidence in that race car uh, before you even hit the racetrack. Talk to me about that. Yeah, uh, Van Dorn and uh, Gordon and the whole crew just had us like moving uh, ever since we got out of the box. So uh, Friday was was kind of easy for them, I guess. We were just laying down laps and making the minor adjustments, just little tweaks to make it a little bit better. And um, I knew we had a good, like, race car for the race. Uh, I didn't know about qualifying, just how everything was. And um, But, yeah, it was just a smooth, uh, smooth weekend. We talked about qualifying. You wanted to be up near the front, and I said, all you need to get to be in the top eight, right, uh, just so you can be in that redraw. You're able to do that. 
and then then you got got a pretty good draw. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. The goal was just the top eight. Uh, we knew we had a fast car. Just yeah, like I said, didn't know where we'd stack up, and we were able to go quick time and set the track record, which was awesome. Um, but yeah, we pulled a two and I was like, thank God I was worried <laughs> we were going to get like an eight or six or something. But yeah, that two made it a lot better for us. You know, as the race, uh, unfolded there, the first hundred laps or so, we'll get to the part where it gets really interesting, but Kyle's out in front of this thing and, and he is the defending winner at Owasso with the new, uh, repave and whatnot. Um, so I think everybody's kind of looking at him wondering, you know, okay, what do we got to do? What, what's he got? And you got right there a couple of different times, uh, you know, within striking distance and then kind of fell back. And I, you know, I don't know who was playing cat and mouse with who, if you were putting a charge into one to see what you had and then falling back, or if he was letting you catch up and then he was pulling away. Um, but talk about the early moments of that race, uh, being there in second and closing in on Kyle a couple of different times. Yeah, uh, we kind of just settled into the groove and um, just followed him. Uh, I'd I would get close to him and just see like where things were and whatever. And uh, Gordon just kind of kept me calm and told me just to ride it out and stuff. But um, then Carson got up to third and he was starting to kind of put pressure on me, so I started driving a little bit harder, but. Yeah, it was just so early, didn't want to pass him or something, the chance like reckon or something. So we just kind of paced ourselves with him, and we knew he's good at pacing himself, and I've had I've had my nights. So uh, <laughs> we just followed him and uh, rode along, and yeah. And so that all was going according to plan. Uh, we get to lap 70. Uh, we have an incident on track that sets up a restart. Crump's on the bottom. Hosevar's up top. You and Shotko in row two. And before we get to what unfolded, I did think it was interesting. A couple of different opportunities, Chase, for you to line up on the outside in row one with the choose rule. And you elect to give up that outside and line up inside of row two. What was the thought process there? Were you concerned about being able to get down to the bottom and getting freight trained? Or did you like the opportunity to be able to just stay right behind Kyle? Yeah, uh, we just felt it was kind of battling, I guess, for the win, because we were just comfortable running where we were, so we would just be able to get out in second place and uh, ride there, but yeah, I definitely, <laughs> I definitely wanted to give it a shot on the outside, but they were kind of telling me to get or stick to the bottom, so that's what I did, but it all worked out, so it was all good. Now, I was fortunate. I was on the alternate crew stand, right, back in the pit area, because there was mm -hmm. no way I was going to get from your spot or back to where I had to work. And I, <laughs> I kept asking your dad, have, have you guys turned him loose yet? As he turned the wick up and he just keeps shaking his head no. Were you defying the words that they were, <laughs> that they wanted you to stay calm? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, <laughs> it's hard, like, just following somebody, like, when you know, like, you can get around them, but uh, it's definitely the smartest thing to do there, especially with how long the race was and all the incidents that happened. So I felt like uh, I did my job very well uh, following them guys and listening to Gordon. And Yeah. All right, so uh, lap 70, restart. You've got Kyle and Co Carson side-by-side side in the front row. You and, and uh, Shotco in row two. 
is at this point is everybody remembering what happened at Birch Run, or or do we all think that that bygones are bygones and it's water under the bridge? What are you thinking behind the wheel of the eighteen when those two line up beside each other? Well, uh, actually, like during the moment, I I completely forgot about the incident, and I was just like just following along, and then. Um, uh, when we it were didn't take long to there. remind you, did it, when they went down into turn <laughs> one and <laughs> slammed doors? Yeah, pretty much, because uh, we were going when we went green. We, I think we got to the back stretch, and Gordon was like, remember Bertrand, so be careful. And I was like thinking in my head, I was like, oh, yeah. So uh, we were we were just following them there, and they were getting pretty aggressive there. So uh, I was hoping for the best, and um uh, so, lap. so when you were able to read the broadside of, of Crump's car going back to turn one, this is when they finally hit hard enough that Kyle got sideways. There's no hesitation from you, right? I mean, at that point, as soon as Crump's car is straight and you see there's a lane on the bottom, it, it is it is absolute go, right? There's no part of you that thinks we should wait and see how this thing goes. That's a rare opportunity to possibly get two for one coming out of turn two. Yeah, it was. Uh, he was sliding or sideways and went up the track, and I was like, I know he can't. And I felt like if I did back off, I would have just got hit from the back. So, right, right. Uh, we just <laughs> filled in that hole, and we got to about middle of the straightaway, and I just remember the wheel just getting knocked out. And we did you realize? Grass, did, yeah, so. did you realize? So, obviously, the spotter's telling you you're bottom of three, right, as you guys are coming out of two. Do you have any warning at all that we're all about to wad it up going into three? I mean, what is what is the playback in your brain? What? How do you remember it? Yeah, I just remember uh, him sliding and then me filling in the gap. And he was like, all right, bottom, three wide, three wide. And I was just like, all right, hoping for the best going into three. And uh, before we even got there, we were in the infield, and I was just, trying to slow down the best I could and keeping it straight. And we got on the pavement, and we didn't spin out or hit anything. So that was a bonus. Movie but, style, throw it into throw it into third, flat foot it, and hope, hope that you can get a couple <laughs> spots back. Pretty much, yeah, because it took like a half lap for the caution. To come yeah, they, too, they, so. they elected, because Kyle was off the racing surface, they elected to keep the lap. So good, bad, or indifferent for you, right? You end up being an eighth uh, after that's all said and done. Yeah, it was, it was definitely nerve-wracking, but yeah. You know, Chase, Zach and I walked to the pit area, and we talked to everybody, and and every one of them said the exact same thing, and we I don't know that we either we believed them, that they were just going to get to lap 100, right? Be safe, yeah. get to lap 100, make your adjustments, and then go racing. And we know once you guys put the helmets on, things happen in your head, right? Like you don't think quite as cl- clearly sometimes. So you had just an instant to respond, to make that decision to go three wide. I'm just trying to figure out what part of you thought that was a smart decision. (laughs) Yeah. Now, like uh, just playing in the back of my mind, it's always like, yeah, that was kind of early, but I just felt like we had a good chance there. And, and I was just more worried about getting hit from behind just because of how close, like after restarts are, everybody's bumper to bumper and, they they weren't scared to rough you up. So well, and, and who knows if he doesn't take that shot, Rich? You know, I, I think Carson still ends up hitting Kyle going into three. 
do they spin in front of him and and sweep up the racetrack and take him with them? And it's a whole it's a whole different race at that point, you know. It, 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 the the scenarios could play out any any way. Uh, I know, and, yeah. It, you know, and Chase, the one thing I was doing when I was watching there, the caution comes out, and you're running around there, and it's like, n- now what has he got left? You know, I, I'm I'm looking at that car, and it's a little beat up, and you had to have been thinking the same thing with your at yourself, trying to get as much information from your spotter as you could with what damage you had. Yeah, at first, like I was, I thought we were done, like. I know, well, it wasn't as bad as what it was, but I was like, something's going to be, something's going to be broke because once it went back green, it took probably a good 10, 15 laps for it to feel normal again. So, yeah, it was definitely very nerve-wracking going going back green again. And I didn't think that car ever looked as good as it did um, before that incident until after the break. Um, how much of that was, was the damage that you had? How much of that was driving angry and how much of that was go maybe falling back to, all right, to hell with it. We're just going to wait until lap 100, look at this thing and then go get them. Yeah. Once we went back green, uh, uh, some, I forgot who, but he got under me and I was kind of on the freight train going back. And once I fell back, I was like, this, uh, like this sucks. <laughs> Uh, just gonna be lap 100 already like i was ready um but the last i think 10 laps we were able to pick off two people and get two spots back and then cars started to get back normal so uh i was i felt a lot better going into the break but still i was kind of worried just being mid-pack or where we were i didn't know if we could make it back up or not so we get to the break and i was down there doing Uh, driver interviews during the break for racing america and i saved you for last chase just because i thought you needed some time to get straight right just to kind of get your head back together and i caught you right at the end um how good was that 10 10 minute break for you just to gather your thoughts and and get every put your mind back at the task at hand yeah it was was really nice just sitting there and thinking and listening to gordon and uh it all just worked out really well, and they were able to get that right front patched together the best they could. So um, it definitely helped a ton, especially the – I knew the tires, like, weren't going to be, like, a huge factor, but, like, I, it turned out they was. But at the moment, I didn't know what to think of it. Um, but just with having two new tires and the right front fixed and somewhat back to normal, it just helped mentally go back out there and do your best. And that way you're on your A game. Now you get back out there for the restart and you have another problem. You have several cars in front of you that didn't take tires. That creates another problem for all you guys that did take tires. What were your thoughts at that point prior to the restart? Yeah, going into the restart, I didn't know what to think just, because of the people that were up front and uh like you have host of our right there like third row or something so you got these people that are going to be wanting to get back up front and people that haven't been up front so it was definitely eventful and i didn't know what to expect going into one but uh we were able to get through kind of quick and uh it went really well for us one of the moments that i think kind of we didn't know it at the time, but looking back now, I think you can say one of the moments that sealed the deal for you was uh, Nick Egan and Carson Hosevar getting together. Um, and I think you may have been... Evan Shaco. 
No, well, yeah. Shotko was involved. In, Shotko got. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Multiple. It was, it was, it was Shotko and and Egan who made the initial contact, and Hosovar got drugged behind him. Right, Hosovar right. never got. You're right. Good, good call on that. Uh, I knew that Hosovar was involved in it in some way, just that he got stuck behind it. So, Chase, uh, you're ahead of that deal. Do you are you aware that that happened uh, when when that does happen? I mean, maybe they say something because they think it's going to bring out a caution, but then it doesn't. Um, are you aware that that you know? Really, Egan came on strong there late too. So three of your strongest competitors uh, just got moved backwards. Yeah, once they said that, and um, I like look back in the mirror and I saw Dan there, and I was like, "Well, that like happened really fast because it was like they were all in the top four right there." Yeah, so. the top. And I remember we right, right, Rich, we were talking about man, top four under a blanket, and you know, you know, Nick Egan's bringing up the tail of the top four. It, it didn't take them long. It didn't take them long, Chase, to figure that out. Yeah, and so <laughs> right, and then Dan Leak, right, he had company with Steve Doors, so. Uh, we always hear it on, on Sunday, man, the leader loves to see these guys racing behind him. Was it the same for you, right, to see Steve and Dan just going at it? Was it because you did stretch your lead during that, those final 20 laps? Um, was that the best thing that you could see was those two going after it? Yeah, for sure. Um, well, Gordon was telling me, like, the distance and lap times. And um, once I heard, like, they had a little, like, whatever happened back there. Uh, like I heard the field was all separated and stuff. So that helped a lot, just getting that information through my head. And then, um, as like 20 to go, they started saying Steve was putting pressure on Dan and that was probably the best thing I heard all night. (laughs) Um, so it was definitely good. But once we got to about like 10 laps to go, it was, it was getting stressful. And going to be a yellow, so. Well, and so, and Rich, we all know this too. As a former driver, I always remember when you were out in front and that white flag waves. Man, that that is the worst sixteen seconds in your life uh, between making sure that you hit your marks for the final time and just praying to God that the car you know holds together for three eighths more of a mile. Um, how so? You've got a chance to do it twice now in the template car. What is the final lap like for you? Are you like talking to yourself or mentally, you know, in your brain? Okay, we we don't need to drive it in as hard. We can lift here. Make sure we pick up the throttle here, nice and straight. Well, I mean, what is what is that last lap knowing that you're coming to ten thousand dollars to win? Like for you under the helmet? Yeah, um, I remember seeing the white flag and then just going into one. Like what you said, like just break early, slow down early. And don't be too aggressive on the gas. Like, just taking it easy, kind of like a Sunday drive on the final lap. <laughs> uh, just knowing that you got the gap to do it. So, but when we went in the three and the car slew down like it should have, and I was, like, kind of coming out of four. We can I, coast I, from here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's when stuff started, like, getting real with me. And I, it was just awesome. Uh I was pretty excited over the microphone, so but it was just awesome to do it with the group of guys that we had, and um, yeah. Do you have a recording of uh, of your guys' radio transmission by chance? Um, I don't think so. Man, I, I would lo- I'd love to hear that because <laughs> I I yeah. saw the fist come out the window, man, and I just know with and you guys are so family oriented, uh, and you know I know you got some guys that work with you too, but. 
just everything, when you finally take the checkered flag, $10,000, <clears> as much money as it takes to put these things on, just the relief and the excitement and everything from, from everybody on your crew, I can only imagine. Yeah, it was awesome, especially uh, we had a lot of like family there, so it was really cool to have that race there and to be able to win was amazing. But, yeah, I definitely, a lot of emotions came out. Maybe not so much in the interview. I kind of controlled myself, but, like, <laughs> when, when we were in the car and I did, like, that last lap, it was, it was just awesome. By the way, 2.3 seconds, uh, the final margin, even after taking it easy on the final lap, uh, 2.3 seconds, which I think was the biggest lead anybody had all day. Uh, so that just tells you what that 18 car like was like at the end, Rich. Yeah, yeah. And, and Chase, I got to ask you, I asked you this down on the main straightaway, and it, it was probably too soon um, because this race, this was not just another pro late model race, okay? I mean, you you know this. This is one of the biggest pro late model races there is in the country. You look who's won this race before. Your name is now on that trophy. Now, 48 hours later, have you had, now can you reflect back and realize what the heck you just did? Yeah, it's, like, unreal. Um, just, I remember, it was probably, like, a week ago, there was, like, a list of the past winners that I saw, and, and it's just crazy, of, like, all the people on that list and, like, where they are now, and just, like, put my name on that list now is, like, even, like just incredible. Like, it's still unbelievable. Um, like, I remember Saturday, everybody's, like, you're not going crazy or anything like you just won. And I don't know. It didn't really hit until like Sunday morning. What happened? And yeah, it's unbelievable. <laughs> I was waiting for that. <laughs> well, I got, I mean, yeah, I mean, you're, 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 you're probably a whole lot for to be honest. Um, if anybody keeps track of you, you're, you're a lot further along in your pavement career, right. Than your, than your dirt career. But so you have, you have a lot to grow. But I know you said you wanted to go dirt racing. And I don't know. I, I don't know. How do you? Is this pavement stuff starting to grow on you a little bit when you start winning races like this? Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, makes you want to go run <laughs> run every weekend now. But um, yeah, I still it's still hard to like choose on what one, and um, and it's hard to run both dirt and pavement. So. I guess we'll kind of see how this year plays out and uh, where we end up with the pavement stuff and go from there. But it's hard because you got all the dirt guys that are always like, all right, like, let's go dirt racing. And then you have all the pavement guys that are just, let's go pavement racing. So it's hard to balance the two. And I don't know. <laughs> you know, I'm reminded of uh, the, the race that you did recently at Berlin where you I think somebody posted on social media or maybe you said it in one of the interviews that, you know, the goal is to race around these guys. And when you were talking about these guys, it was the Josh Berries, the Chase Elliott's, William Byron's, you know, that, that are Eric Jones's that are coming down and running these late models. And, you know, you made mention about wanting to race against these guys on a regular basis and the path to getting there. You know, what way do you go? I don't know that a dirt late model is a path to getting there anymore. Uh, but, template late models maybe is so i mean i i say all that to ask at 18 years old kind of working into adulthood now chase what 
is the goal or what still is the dream for you in auto racing? Yeah, uh, well, my biggest dream's been make it to, making it to NASCAR, and that's still my biggest dream. But now, kind of getting into the dirt side, it's also like we could go run Lucas Oil or World of Outlaws and run for good money. So it's hard to like I don't. It's hard to pick on what one, especially when we're just starting to get like decent and kind of consistent with the dirt car, but. <laughs> and then in the same now. in the same breath, you're doing the same thing uh, on the pavement, right? You haven't finished outside the top five except once, and that was a race that we know that car wasn't even dialed in for. It was a starting park. Uh, that was the only time yeah. you finished outside the top five. Yeah, that's it's, <laughs> it. Gets so difficult, just uh, like whenever somebody brings it up or whatever. It's just you don't know what you want to do because both are they're both fun and. Um, it's just hard picking what one you want to do. You know what you can do? You can just change your name to Chad Finley. I was just going to say that. I was just <laughs> going to say, if you just change your name to Chad Finley, you can change your mind every five years on which one's more fun to be in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. man. But, and, and so I also want to know this, and this is maybe a little bit personal, but we've talked about it on the show uh, in, in previous shows. You know, there's a conversation, too, about who pays the bills for what. And, you know, Dad said at one point, once he was 18, right, if he wants to run that stupid modified, he's going to he's gonna pay the bills for it. And I know you've got some great help with the Fisks uh, for, for the late model. And, obviously, your dad is doing so much with the template car. Um, what is What does your wallet want to do, right? I mean, what do you – that is the other thing, too. What does Chase Berto want to dump his assets into to, to be able to race? And – I think probably the answer is going to be the same as it's a toss-up, depending on what's going on, probably. Yeah, uh, well, beginning of this year, me and Dad agreed, and he was taking over. Well, he already owned the payment stuff, but he's going to do that, and then I'm going to take over all the dirt stuff and do all that stuff. So uh, I got lucky with Fisk on them helping us and uh, just working with us, so... That's what I that's what I do or work so, for is all the dirt stuff and then dad or I'm lucky to have my dad to to where I'm able to run all the payment stuff. So still. it sounds like to me <clears throat> this is just my professional assessment. In twenty twenty four, Chase Berta Motorsports will run dirt late models. And also in twenty twenty four, Rob Service Racing will run template late models. <laughs> <laughs> with yep. Chase Berta behind the wheel. <laughs> Pretty much. I think that's where we're going to end up again, most likely. Well, and it, it, and you guys have done a great job finding the balance, too. You know, you, you kind of got suckered into, and I say suckered in, you guys kind of fell into a, a Jegs championship chase. But you can dust off wh- whatever car you want, you know, kind of really do the old outlaw thing and just decide you want to run wherever, whenever, with whatever car you want to put in the box, I still think it would have been badass if you'd have put the late model in the box with the template car this weekend and got done with practice <laughs> and followed Rich to I-96 and tagged the tail of the feature. But, you know, the, we'll, we'll let that one slide for this time. <laughs> yeah. Because but, then uh, I found out on Saturday that you didn't even need to put it in the box. You could have just found an open trailer and went and got it from Fisk's house 10 minutes away from the track. They would have delivered it to I 96. <laughs> you just had to drive there. <laughs> 
opportunity yeah. missed. Opportunity missed, young man. Don't let it happen again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, in our we had a little team meeting, and uh, they were all wanting me to get rest so I could focus oh, on the big. Listen race, to this. So. He's on the radio. He's on our podcast, and the story changed. Rich, should I tell everybody what really happened? I know the truth. I know the truth right too. Away, so I know. I won't say it. I want him to say it. <laughs> to team meeting. That's team meeting. Team yeah, meeting. team meeting. Okay. <clears throat> that, who, who, who led that lo- meeting? Loosely Chase? translates. <laughs> loosely translates to mom said no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Need my sleep. <laughs> well, and you know what? It paid off too because mom's going to hear this and go, "Well, look what happened. You probably wouldn't yeah. have won ten thousand dollars if you'd ran that stupid dirt car Friday night." So. <laughs> uh, it, oh yeah, she probably let me know tonight now. <laughs> yeah, but hey, you know what? It ended up working out really good for you and. Uh, you know, let's talk about that championship chase here. Kind of uh, the last thing we, we'll talk about. Really healthy lead. This really stretches it now. Brandon Varney had problems on, on Saturday night. So um, it's not mathematically in the bag for you. But, I mean, pretty much if you show up the rest of the season, uh, it's yours. What about that, right? You can't count your chickens before they hatch. But kind of an accidental thing that you guys are going to end up with. Uh, and in my opinion is probably a little bit more weight-bearing and, and more prestigious than that junior late model championship you've got under your belt. Yeah, it's uh, definitely cool. Just, um, like, we didn't have a big plan, but we won Bertrand, which I think that was the first points race. And, yeah, it was just hard not to run all the races then. Um, but, yeah, it's definitely awesome. Just, just like the Masters race, there's so many great drivers that have won the championship in the past so for me to be able to put my name on that list is just incredible and uh, another stat to put on the resume so yeah it kind of all just fell in fell in or fell on me and then just all came together chase before we let you get out of here you got a triple crown race coming up at birch run don't uh, forget about winchester a place that owes him one and then Winchester, you gotta gotta feel pretty confident going back to those two places. Yeah, uh, definitely. Winchester last year kind of sucked, but it was definitely a learning curve for sure. Um, but yeah, just super excited. The rest of the schedule uh, tracks that I look forward to, and um, can't wait to get there. All right. All right. Well, go, go ahead, Rich. No, I was just gonna tell Chase. Uh, hey, before we let you out of here, go ahead and. Give a shout-out to everybody that uh, you acknowledged in Victory Lane following your big win on Saturday. Yeah, uh, first and foremost, my family. If it wasn't for them, especially my parents, uh, wouldn't it be possible. Um, Rob Service, Finish Line, uh, Fist Trucking, Van Dorn Racing Development, um, Bristol Steel, the Country Market, and Lapeer, uh, Lapeer Pool and Spa. Silly Not Coffee Company, and uh, definitely Gordon, Josh, and Billy, and Eric, all the people that helped out, and my sisters. If it wasn't for them, this wouldn't be possible. So, By the way, and Zach, yeah. and Zach just, just to throw in there, just so you know this, Chase, a Silly Not Coffee Company has judged, did their job for Zach and I on Horsepower Happening. That's right. All right? That's right. Yes, got the Monday morning started with that. So, uh, and <laughs> I've seen that. Chase, congratulations, dude. It was it was so, and I told you this after the race, it was an honor to get to call you to the line uh, for what is, I, I 
whatever way you go, right, you're going to win more big money races. <clears throat> you're a good race car driver. You're kind of coming into your own. Uh, but the, the richest win of your career so far was really awesome to get a chance to see it in person, man. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Well, I don't, man, I, pff, I'd hate to be in the Chase Berta shoes right now because what do you do? I mean, you can't win uh, the Masters of the Pros and then say, yeah, we're this will be it for template racing. We're going to go dirt racing after this. I mean, you just... You just, as you mentioned, Rich, you just picked up one of the one of the nation's crown jewel pro late model races. Yeah, and but he's just so darn good in whatever he sits in. That's that, right. That's the problem, you know. Um, does he have a lot to learn in dirt late model? Absolutely, he'll tell you that too. He's not been doing it that long, and he's still learning in the template world too. Yeah, but he did. I I think he's getting better faster on the pavement than okay. he is on dirt. Not that he's not that he's miles ahead i'm just saying that dirt changes every single week no matter what track you go to it you you can have a good night or a bad night you, whether you're a travis stemler dona marcooley or, or eric spangler you can have a good night or a bad night depending on the surface right it's per, the surface is pretty much the same when he jumps in that in the in that late model and um he's just getting better and better and uh i don't know what the ceiling is for him but i know for a fact he's not there yet well, let's talk about something else that's coming up, Rich. We are uh, are we inside a month, man? We are close. Uh, the Bob Finley Memorial, speaking of Owasso Speedway, is uh, coming up here in just a couple of weeks. Yeah, a few weeks. Uh, I think third week of sep- September twenty fourth. I think is it, the week after Glass City two hundred. I believe that's it, right. I believe it is. Yep. And so twenty third. That'll be twenty third. Yep. yep. So we'll be back at Owasso for that. And uh, talk to Rex. He's looking forward to that race. We're looking forward to being at that race as well. And uh, that should that should be really cool. Outlaws, super late models, um, just unbelievable. I, I want to see the Outlaws at Owasso. That's going to be an incredible event. A lot of money on the lines act. Twenty grand, I believe it is. And right? it's and it's also the finale for the quad crown um, that they have there at uh, Owasso for the reveal the Hammer Outlaw Super Late Model Series, which is going to pay somebody $10,000 to win. So, yep. And um, part of the Owasso Fall Nationals whole event. Oh, yeah, that's right. That, yeah. Week, that weekend. What so, a big deal. Yeah, looking forward to get, getting back to Owasso for that. That should, be, that should be a great time. Speaking of the Outlaw Super Late Models, Rich, how about some other winners from the weekend uh, scoreboard? Yeah, Mark Shuksak grabbed the 75-lap $5,000 to win Outlaw Super Late Model uh, win on Friday over at Kalamazoo. Uh, Justin Schroeder. Picked up the 50-lap Outlaw Super Late Model feature at Flat Rock on Saturday. He not only picked up the feature win, he also took over the points lead going into championship night this week. Three drivers going into the championship night at Flat Rock, 20 points apart total. Wow. That's going to be a tight one at Flat Rock. That should be a good one. In Corrigan Oil Speedway, the harvest on Sunday, Phil Bozell grabbed the Pro Late Model win. Connor Landis grab the modified win at Corrigan Oil Speedway. Then uh, we cover it up in dirt, and we'll do it again. Donamar Coulier, UMP late model winner Friday at Tri-City. Chase Roseborough grabs the IMCA modified honors. And then break out the broom. Mark Coulier, Saturday sweep the weekend at a merit uh, a win at Merritt Speedway. Career win 196 and 197, Rich, for Dona. Wow. Eye, eyeball in 200. That's pretty cool. Yeah, he's, he, he, I don't know if he's going to get there this season, but it's going to be close. Mitchell Hunt gets the IMCA modified win on Saturday at Merritt. Derek Hilliker grabs the late model win at Crystal on Saturday with Myron DeYoung in the IMCA modified feature event, getting the win there. Well, Zach, now back in, uh, it's that time of the month again. 
to bring Gary in for Gary. Did you know? And we're going to do something a little different because, well, we're slow and behind. We're going to give the results from the uh, the answers to the July quiz, and then Gary's here to give us his questions for the August quiz. Gary Lindahl, welcome back to Horsepower Happenings. Hey, good talking to you guys again. How you feeling? You know, it's good to be back. Yeah, how's it, how you feeling? You had a little little uh, ticker update on Friday. How'd, all that, how'd that all go for you? Well, the uh, procedure went well, but uh, I definitely took a beat, and I am very bruised in the uh, lower extremities, you know, because they go through the groin area to do that. And, yeah. You know, so I'm a little black and blue everywhere, and, of course, I have a problem with my the, the other stuff that they do, putting the IVs in and everything. Oh. My veins have a problem of popping, so... By the time they beat my hand up, both of them are pretty bruised up. So You just tell everybody that you should see the other guy, right? Oh, absolutely. That's right. That's right. There you go. All right. Rich, are we going to see if Gary remembers the answers to the quiz that uh, he put out last week? Yeah, so that's what we're, we're – Gary, don't look. Don't pull up your July – don't cheat, okay? Don't pull up your <laughs> July quiz. And we're going to give the answers to the fans. We're going to go through this uh, with the results. Uh, are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. Uh Question number one, what was Louis Houghton's favorite number? You know, I've seen some things on uh, Facebook that somebody was trying to answer, but it was number 24. Ding, there ding, ding. Go. There it is. All right. Question number two, what was Pete Orlowski's favorite number? This one was pretty easy for me because I grew up in Jackson, Michigan on Bates Street, and Pete had his shop right down the street from me. He was always number 76 and quite often drove a convertible. How about that? Yeah, and Brad Bergevin got that right. One of our one of our dedicated listeners. That was actually the yeah. only one Brad got right. I'll get to the last one because Brad tried to get cute, but with his last answer. Oh, but really? Yeah. But let's go to question number three. Who wrote the column "Rebel Yell" in the Mark Times? Oh, this should be a shoe in. That was Gene Granger. There you Gene go, Granger. Yeah, you're not going to uh, stump Gary at his own game, Rich. No. Nope. <laughs> and. Uh, the last question, and I'll tell you, and I'll tell you what Brad said on this after you give yours, Gary. But where was Seneca Performance Service Center located? That was in Granville, Michigan, and we're talking back a ways. Okay, you know, so we're uh, we're talking about that service center for Seneca a long time, not the new, not the new uh, Terry Seneca stuff. So Brad said, um, at his house. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That's pretty good. I like that. Yeah, I don't that's think awesome. that qualifies. Hey, that's a good that's try. So. That's a good effort. That's a good effort. Yeah. All right, so as quickly as I didn't have to give anything away for July, here we go for August. I'm back. I got to start all over again. So, Gary, um, let's go. Question number one for the month of August. And, look, oh, Zach, also, we need to let everybody know. This quiz is an exact quiz from a former Mark Times published edition, and we can't tell you when because it may be a question in there about that. That's right. That's right. So so these were not made up by Gary. These questions this month are all from a former edition of Mark Times. Right, Gary? This is the very first quiz I ever did for Mark Times Racing News. So we got a little history going on here, boys. All right. Well, this 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 quiz has got to be fifty years old, then, huh? Almost. Well, you know, it's getting around that range, anyway. Well, well so anyway, one, let's start out, okay? Yeah, and you know say, what? This should this should, this should uh, get kind of put you in the where these questions are going to be answered from. <laughs> oh, absolutely. 
But you could get some. I mean, Rich, you had to get one of these. But anyway, here we go. Question number one. What Michigan modified driver was known as the shy one? Rich, these quizzes are, this this quiz, I'm going to give, it's not really even a hint. This quiz is older than my dad, okay? So I am out to lunch on these. I didn't know this one. <laughs> really? Okay. No. No, I, I we'll, we'll, we'll talk more later, but I, I would not have gotten this one at all because I would, I was not, uh, I definitely was not a modified fan back in that period. I'm sorry. I, I was a modified fan. You know that. I know you're brought oh. up on mods, right? Yeah. Yeah. Jackson Motor Speedway, super modified hero. Sure was. All right, anyway, Gary, question, question number question two. number two. What popular late model driver would be fun to hunt? I knew this one. I bet you did. <laughs> you know, I bet you did. Because that's what yeah. I was watching back then, late models, all the time late models. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yep. So here we go with question number three. Who won the first Motor State 400? And just to qualify that, that is at Michigan International Speedway, right, Gary? That would be correct, yes. See, you could look that up. Yeah, I you think. could. I mean, you There's could. probably yeah, some kind could. of a record that if you were pretty good with Google, you could probably figure that one out. Oh, I'm sure you could, too. All right, and, next uh, one. Last, oh, not last question. Question no, number four. No, not the four. last one. Question number four. You know, and you got to remember, this is way back when, when I did this. What area track would be fun to throw across the water? <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Track. I like that. Track. You yeah, just got I like that. That is good. See, see, Zach, now you see the types of questions he was asking. I love then, it. I right? love it. You That's see good. what I was asking back then. Right? I do. I like that. Now, okay. this bonus question. Now, I like this bonus the, question. Here is the bonus question because I know all these Google uh, fanatics and everything, and they can probably look up some of this stuff or gather up what some of them were. But what month and year? Did this appear, and by what I mean, this appeared, this very first column in the Mark Times, Indigino by Gary Lindahl. And again, that would be what month and year was it published in the Mark yes. Times? So that is correct. All right. So what edition? Now, these were, uh, you could get these, these were mailed out. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Back in the day, you had to mail all your columns out. So. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I, don't, I don't know that all, I don't know if anybody has any more than Gary does, originals. Do you have them all? Um, close. I have close to all the Mark Times Racing News. Wow, awesome! I don't have all of the uh, all of the sixties or, you know, the sixties and that because, you know, I, I didn't subscribe then. But you know, I subscribed later on, and so I pretty much will have a. I got volume one, number one. Wow. There you go. How about that? Oh yeah. Cool. Well, yep. good stuff. Uh, look for the Gary Did You Know graphic, which I was uh, I was assured today will be in a much more timely fashion uh, for the month of August. Okay. I, don't, I, don't, okay. I don't believe the guy that pays the bills. I don't believe him. I don't he, believe him he, anymore. He said, uh, he asked me, he said, we got to be getting close to another Gary Did You Know, don't we? And I said, as a matter of fact, we've got one tonight. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah, we do. Uh, so look so. for the graphic on our social media page if you can answer, answer all. Now, we'll take all four, right, Rich? Uh, we'll take all four. If you can get all four questions right. Uh, yeah, we won't be tough this week. Gary's okay. in the bonus one. The bonus one's just funny. Uh, and and that that's just for the extra question, but it'll be it, that's just a cool piece of information just to let you know 
how long Gary's been doing these That's quizzes. Right. That's right. So there you go. Cool. Well, hey, Little Gary. Bit of history. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate it, and, and glad to hear things are still going well with you, my friend. Yeah, I'll see you Saturday, Rich. I guess we got to get things. We got to get things back in order. Yep, I got the Pepsis. Okay, that's <laughs> awesome. See you, All Gary. Right. Thank you. All right. See ya. Well, time now to move into our second interview tonight, Rich, and it's uh, an honor and a privilege for me to get to bring this guy on again. Uh, it was somebody that I watched race when I was growing up. I know he loves to hear that because uh, <laughs> it just adds to the to the awesomeness of what he's accomplished this weekend. Used to be a Michigander just like you and me, but now he makes his home in Huntington, Indiana. It's our pleasure to welcome in uh, former track champion at Butler Motor Speedway, Corey Bevard. Welcome into Horsepower Happenings. Hey, thanks for having me. What a story for you, and I think uh that not even as much as what you've accomplished as far as getting back to victory lane but everything that you had to overcome and so for those who don't know uh you were kind of forced into a hiatus from racing that went back further than even the start of this race season um and really it kept you out of the car for quite some time and and Corey without going into you know necessarily all of the doctor's notes and details um, just a kind of a Reader's Digest version. What was going on? Uh, we know it had to be pretty bad for the doctor to say, uh, I can't let you behind the wheel of a race car. Yeah, I, uh, I went on vacation in, in March to Utah and uh, went up there snowmobiling and had no idea that a guy with any kind of heart condition was not supposed to be in high elevation. You know? and, uh, so I had what they call a tachycardia, which was I had chest pain. Mm-hmm. Uh, got back from vacation, did the snowmobiling thing. Everything went fine. Uh, came back, decided I better get checked, and uh, found out that I had uh, I was 100% blocked in my left coronary artery, which is basically your widowmaker. Wow. Uh, I was, I'm still 100% blocked. Uh, I'm 80% in another one, 70 in another, and 40 to 60 in another one. Holy smokes. Uh, so I went through a bunch of testing, and you know, uh, I went in and had a, a heart cast, and they got up there, and you know, they were like, "Well, this is—we don't want to fix you with stents. We want to do a bypass surgery on you." And uh, so that's where I, what I was looking at is basically looking into having to have bypass surgery, and uh, that was out of Michigan. My doctor's in Michigan. My wife's like, "Well, we want to get a second opinion." So she transferred everything to her hospital in Fort Wayne, and uh, I went through a bunch of tests and seen a new doctor and. He wanted to do a viability test on me, which tells you if you have blood flow to your heart because my, what they call a MET score, I was like in the high tens, which is really good, you know, uh, for my stress tests and stuff. So they wanted to do a viability test on me to make sure that I had blood flow to arteries in my heart. They did that and like, which I did, you know, and, um, ended up what had happened was my heart basically made its own bypasses. It, found its way to get its own blood supply. Uh, that, just, that just sounds like a Corey Bevard thing. <laughs> Screw you guys. I'm going to work one way or another, okay? <laughs> I got super lucky. Um, all, the, all the doctors I've worked with or been in contact with have been great. You know, uh, so he said, he told me, he's like, I don't want you to get, I asked him, he's like, well, everything looks great. You know, your med score is good. Your heart function is great. Um, but, I had taken so much time off from going to the gym prior to that because I was going to the gym before I went to Utah. Like, I want you to get back into the gym, start doing your, your normal activity, your, you know, your exercising and stuff like that. And I did all that. And uh, I went back for a stress test 
three weeks ago on a Thursday um, after I'd been going to the gym. And I, I usually try to do between three to six miles a day at the gym. And um, I got, I went there, did the stress test, and they were like shocked that my MET score went to 12.9, which is way above excellent. Wow. So, yeah, I've uh, I busted my ass to do this. You know, I, I basically, I live in the gym now. You know, I, I go to work and I come home. I work 10 hours a day, uh, come home, go to the gym for an hour or two every night. Um, tonight, I, my wife gave me a uh, a free pass tonight to not have to go to the gym. So that you could be on the so, show, probably. <laughs> I, I say so that you could be on the show, or, I mean, you could have talked to us on the yeah. treadmill. That would have been fine. <laughs> yeah, so I, I could be on the show. She's like, you can have a hall pass for tonight. So. <laughs> but, well, like, yesterday, I, you know, I thought, well, I raced Saturday night. She's not going to make me go to the gym. We got home yesterday <laughs> afternoon from Michigan, and she's like, you need to get around. I'm like, for what? She says, you need to go to the gym. Wow. So, my, you know, my, I, I can't get away with anything. So. so let me understand what I'm hearing. When you did your first test, uh, with everything that was going on, the doctor said, you know, you, you for everything that's going on, you pass, your air quotes healthy, but if you want to get behind the wheel of a race car again, you're going to have to kind of up what you're doing and and really yeah. and really prove to us that you're good. It kind of sounds like so. Yeah. On top of what you yeah. were already doing to be healthy, you had to kind of double down if you were ever going to race again. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I had to. Yeah, I worked. Uh, I mean, I, it was it was every night, every day, seven days a week. You know, one to two hours a day in the gym since May. You're probably healthier now than, than you ever have been in your career, do you think? Oh, I would say so, yes. You know, physically, yes. Um, I Like Saturday night, I probably haven't felt that good in a race car in 20 years, you know. I mean, I was just so relaxed. Uh, you know, I was nervous up to that point, you know. But, um, no, I was. I, I feel good. Like, my energy now is like, way way beyond what i've ever expected to be you know Corey, i gotta ask you and I, I then we'll get into the race and stuff but i mean when, when you when you talked about the blockages that you had that I'm, I'm still stuck on that i have no idea how this works to where you're it can just fix itself but does that concern you at all that your heart's going to figure out it needs to run the right way it could it could go back to and and you could have a problem um no, I don't. I, I wouldn't say that I'm concerned about that. I I know eventually, you know. I mean, it could be five, ten, fifteen years down the road. I mean, it could be a year or two. But I know eventually that I'm going to have to have a bypass surgery. You know, um, if I if I as long as if I don't stick with what I'm doing, which you know, I have the, now. Like if I don't go to the gym, I feel guilty that I'm not going to the gym. You know, right. I just got myself in such a routine, you know, and with my wife being in the healthcare part of things, uh, I feel super comfortable with, with what's going on with it, you know, uh, because it's not very often that you hear, you know, no, I've been explaining this a, a lot, you know, uh, and the doctors have explained it to me too, you know, that nobody's heart operates at a hundred percent, you know, you're, you're looking at, you know, anywhere from 50 to 70% of persons, you know, even an athlete's heart only functions like that, you know, mm -hmm. nobody's heart operates at a hundred percent. Um, 
anything above 50 percent is is considered normal you know i'm at 60 percent which is above normal my met score is you know 12 9 which is you know basically that is like a dyno like an engine dyno of your heart yeah that thing my heart is working like the like a 25 to 30 year old person's heart wow that's that's and when i started it i wasn't i was not there you know i was not at 12.9 you know i was way way lower than that Corey, i ate the wrong food and i think i'm dying (laughs) (laughs) yeah you know like um you know i took my cholesterol I you guys are old enough where you guys know about cholesterol i mean it's I was in the high 200s, and when I started seeing this doctor, he's like, Corey, I need you in the 50s. Wow. Now I look at a blade of grass, and it looks good to me. Because <laughs> 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 I don't get the, the junk that I was getting before, you know. I mean, I can have a hamburger, but it's limited. You know, I can have pizza, but it's chicken pizza, you know, uh, my my life consists of chicken and, and salads now. You know, Corey, it was uh, just shy of, of 20 years ago that, you know, a health problem almost took more than your career away, and that's been well documented. When this started to unfold in March, um, was there like a like a PTSD or a remorse or, I mean, where, what was your mental side like when it was like, okay, you have to put racing on hold again uh, to get your health fixed again. Um, was that, how, how, how tough was that for you? I tell you, like when I left the doctors in Michigan, they, uh, they kind of explained it to me as like, we don't even know if bypass can help you, Corey. Wow. So I left there thinking, you know, I had months, days, whatever to live, you know? Yeah. But, but no sooner than we, we weren't even home yet. You know, because obviously I live in Indiana now, but we weren't even home yet. My wife had me set up with doctors and everything else. And it was the next day I was seeing doctors and like, they're like, Corey, you can be fixed. You know, you can be fixed. We just need to do these tests, you know. And I did all their tests. I did the vein vein mapping test, the breathing test, all that stuff to get ready to have bypass surgery. Yeah. With I seen a bypass doctor before I actually seen a stent doctor. And the scent doctor is the one that wanted to do the viability test on because he's like, something's not adding up here. You have great heart function. You have good MET score. Let's do a viability test on you, which I could have done that with an echo or like a an, e, an MRI echocardiogram deal. But I couldn't do that because of my pacemaker because, right. you know, it's full of that would have tried to <laughs> yeah, pull the yeah. pacemaker out. Would have been bad. So they, they did a viability test on me which is a, a stress test with imaging. And um, I had viability. My meth score was decent. And then he's, then that's when he decided, you know, let's get you back in the gym, get you exercising, this, that, and the other thing. And uh, scheduled me for another stress test. And I went in and, you know, it's very seldom that a guy my age, you know, I'm 48 years old, you know, can go in. I don't know how much of this you want to hear, but, like I went in, they started you off at 1.7 miles an hour at an 8% incline. So you're like already raised up walking at 1.7 miles an hour for three minutes. And then it took me from 1.7 to 3.6 miles an hour at a 10% incline, you know, for another three minutes. And then they raised me up to, to an incline of 12. And the thing only goes up to 15. Wow. They took me up to 12 
at 4.6 miles an hour for another, I think it was another four and a half, five minutes. And she, the lady asked me, how much longer can you go? And I'm like, I can go all day long if you lower it back down because my calves were cramped. So, well, we finished. She said, I told her I can go another minute. So I went to another minute and uh, she lowered me back down and, you know, checked my heart rate and everything, come back down to where it needed to be. And she told me where my math score was. And she's like, Corey, I'm telling you right now, people 48 years old with what you've got going on normally don't make it through this. Wow. This is, cause this is not, this is not heard of very often, you know? So, so when when you're when you're laying out your plan, and not to cut you off, but just I want to get to a couple of things. When you're laying out your plan, and you you you're working with your wife, and and you guys are deciding what you're going to do, how much of going to the gym every day, changing your diet, doing everything you need to do, how much of that is driven by getting back behind the wheel of a race car versus just living a life? I mean, is it all because of the race car, or, or, or what? what is your motivation? My mo- I'm, I'm telling you that, you know, I was probably, 40% of it was me wanting to get back in a race car, maybe a little bit more, but I have a daughter that, you know, that has special needs, and I have my daughter, Madison, that is, is getting ready to get married, you know, next next September, you know, and I'm like, I used to tell myself all the time, you know, after the deal in 2007, like, if I can live long enough to see my daughter graduate, I've lived a good life. And then, you know, now it's, then it was to the point where now if I can live long enough to see my daughter get married, well, my daughter's getting married, you know, and I, you know, I have that drip, you know, I, I just want to be able to spend time with my family, uh, you know, having my, my stepdaughter Morgan is, you know, is a special needs child and, it's, uh, you know, Jenny can't do all of it on her own. She does a great job at it, you know, but there's times when, you know, she needs my help. Uh, you know, a lot of it was driven, you know, just for family, you know. Uh, I know my racing career is going to come to an end, you know. Uh, I've been doing it 33 years, 34 years now. It's like, you know, but I when I was going, leading into this, yes, it was all about racing. And then I got, you know, my wife had me talk. You know, it was like Corey. There's more out, more to more to life outside of racing. You know, <laughs> uh, since when? You know? Since when? <laughs> <laughs> so, so Corey, so Corey, let me ask you: Did this was this just kind of like wrapping things up and putting a button on it, saying I can get better? I got back in a race car, or did this extend your career a few more years? No, no. Um, I said in my interview Saturday night. Um. My brother and I have talked about this, you know, and uh, I'm I'm going to try to do this until I'm 50, you know, that gives me two more years. And then, uh, you know, whether we, we decide to do something with somebody, with somebody younger, you know, or, or something like that, you know, but I, I'm, I'm never just going to not, I think I'll still try to do something, you know, race a couple of times a year, you know, and maybe help me. And, and I want to bring a, some, a younger kid up, you know, into the ranks, you know, and, and, you know, show them what I've learned or, you know, mentor a kid or my brother and I, or, you know, and, uh, you Think know, you I, can, be, can I, you be a car owner, Corey? You, would you like oh, that? Yeah. 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 You know, my, uh, my daughter's fiance is, is probably one of the best sprint car drivers I've ever watched. <laughs> oh, I'm already chuckling. I'm sorry. I don't want to beat you to the punch. Talk, talk through this. <laughs> then, uh, you know, I, I've watched the kid several times and there's you know the kid 
does magic behind the wheel that I wish I had. I I had a quarter of that talent when I was racing sprint cars, you know. And by the way, just to oh. fill in the blank, Justin Clark, who did win a feature this year at Butler, um, if, yeah. if you yeah. need, need that connection. So, okay, go ahead, Corey. Yeah, and you know, I mean, if if that's where this deal ends up, you know, a couple years down the road, then that's that's where it ends up. You know, I've enjoyed, you know, the time off that I've had to be able to spend time with my kids. You know, I've did a lot of stuff that I normally would not do in the summertime. Um, you know, I went to a lot of different races with them. I've got to spend time with Morgan and Madison, you know, it's just, uh, it's been kind of a, a setback and, or, you know, it's been kind of like a, a relief in life that, you know, yeah, there I'm, I'm agreeing with my wife. There's other things also besides just racing, you know, <laughs> you know, I've, uh, her and I went and purchased a new side by side, you know, and we've enjoyed riding that, you know, and it's, uh, We'll see what happens here in a couple of years, you know. So, like right now, I'm Justin's having some problems with with cars, you know, being racing, you know, and uh, currently is, you know, looking looking for a ride, you know. Um, but which is why I started chuckling because uh, Rich asks if you could be a car owner, and then you brought up Justin, and I'm like, oh crap, <laughs> Corey's going to hire a mechanic, and he's going to own a sprint car. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's uh, I mean, that that may be where some of this heads to, you know. I mean, I work at a sprint car shop now. I work for Bennick Enterprises, you know. I got all the ins and outs of every sprint car park that comes into the building, you know. And so I'm around it all the time now, again. So it's just, uh, you know, I've learned to enjoy life after this whole situation again. So yeah, yeah my wife's, I think. Days my wife wants to kill me now because I got so much energy now that I don't even know what to do with half of it. You know, Corey, we just talked. We just talked to Chase Berta um, after his big win this weekend, and I got to ask you kind of the same thing. You know, when you get out of that race car after so long, I mean, you know, second weekend you're already back in victory lane. Do you now have time to kind of think? Did you get emotional about it? Everything that you've been through to get back to this point and all the work you put in. um, Have you have you been able to kind of kind of just process that yeah I, I mean i spent a lot of time yesterday thinking about it um yeah it was you know when i there's there's a video of it on my wife's facebook page uh yeah it was a pretty emotional uh a victory lane deal you know i've had a lot of people that you know stuck behind me through this whole deal you know my wife and my kids and my brother and abby and uh josh longwall i mean if it wasn't for you know People like that, I, I I was ready to give up. You know, I was, you know, I, I didn't know what my options were, you know, at the time. And, you know, it's a, it was a long road. But Saturday night made it all worth it, you know. Uh, it was great to be back in victory lane. You know, Rich asks you if you got emotional, and uh, which is a fair question, but I want to know about Allie and Abby. Uh, how, how did they handle seeing you go back to victory lane at, at that place that's so special after everything? I, I mean, everybody was in tears. There was probably 50, just 50 people in the, in the infield when I got my picture. <laughs> everybody was in tears. I think it was probably because I was crying the whole time I was doing the interview, you know, and, uh, you know, I didn't, you know, I, I, I don't know what to say. I mean, I'm, I'm still kind of shocked that, you know, my brother has, you know, spent, endless amounts of money and time building we built a branded car over the winter and you know and then it sat there you know and you know to see to be able to put my car my brother's car in victor lane for him was you know that was 
that's what we needed as a family and as a, as a team, we needed that. Yeah. So I got to ask you then. Let's go 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 through this a little bit. The first week back uh, for you was absolutely forgettable. Um, you know, you, you have some mechanical gremlins sneak up on you on week one. Um, was that a was that just a uh, shrug off the shoulders and that's part of the game, or was that uh, kind of a blow to you guys? You know, it was it was more of a blow to my brother than it was to me. You know, because I was you know, I was ready to go racing. Yeah, I was, but like when when it broke. You know, we had some ignition problems, you know, kind of knew what it was, but it wasn't something, you know, that could be fixed in a hurry at the racetrack, you know, mm-hmm. or did we feel we needed to, needed to fix it? You know, I, uh, you know, I, I feel like that I've raced long enough. I don't have to prove, I, I don't have to prove anything to anymore, you know? Right. But my brother there, yeah, that took a pretty big hit on my brother. You know, I was, I was fine with being done for the night, you know, and, stands you know and we Allie and I you know with me not being up there we talked on the phone he's like you know that's not the way I want you know that's my fault you know he kind of beat himself up over it you know I should have you know oh I shouldn't have overlooked that part of it you know kind of a deal and uh, yeah I always feel bad for my brother when I tear up his car or something's not right for him you know because he does he does 90 percent of the work you know it's just him you know him and Bubba right right the age now where Bubba's, Bubba's slowing it down a lot. You know, Bubba ain't as tough as he used to be. So. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to test that. But uh, Corey, okay, so you guys decide. All right, we're gonna we're gonna reset. We're gonna come back week two. And man, what what a week two for you! Uh, take us through Saturday, man. Was that piece? Uh, was was it a rocket ship from the time you unloaded, or did you have to work at it a little bit? You know that car. It was a rocket from the time we unloaded it. I mean, and it was fast the week before in qualifying. Um, but this Saturday, you know, I, we my brother, you know, always makes sure that his stuff is set on dig and it was ready. And, you know, I was just, I, I, I told him today on the phone on my way home from work, I was like, you know, the car is probably faster than what I need to go anymore. You know? <laughs> 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 uh. Yeah. You know, I... I got comfortable, you know, I, once I, I won the heat race and uh, had a little bit of an incident at the beginning of the heat race that, you know, shouldn't have happened, but it uh, did. Did you ruffle some feathers? Yeah, I did. Oh, and, damn um, it. Oh, well. <laughs> we went into the feature, you know, I started fourth, I think, and uh, I got the lead within a couple laps and, you know, checked out. And uh, my brother's like, after the race, he's like, you got kind of comfortable. He's and, criticizing and he's, you. You park it in victory lane, and he's criticizing you. <laughs> yeah, like, got comfortable, you know, towards the end. And the caution come out with one to go, and Todd Sherman was behind me. Yeah, yeah, and one my, one of the best, and and your former boss at one point. Yeah, and he, my brother, was like, "Turn it up," you know, wound me up. So, you know, I felt like if anybody, if at that time, if anybody would have showed me a nose, I mean, I could have, I, I, I had enough car left to be able to drive away from him. I mean. The diamond race car deal is just phenomenal. The money or the time and the the, the research you know, that company has put into these cars is unreal. Are you still working directly with Colin? Um, I still do some dealing with Colin. I mean, he's obviously part of the whole team deal. Um, yeah. But like the way the cars are now, you know, you Colin knows now a lot about them, you know. But we're dealing, we're basically dealing directly with Diamond with cool. Ryan Thomas, you know. 
Cool. And, you know, they, uh, they've taken really good care of us. So, And that was what I was going to point out, too, is, you know, when I saw that you went to Victory Lane, and this is a Butler thing, not a Corey Bivard thing, I kind of wondered, okay, was did he start on the pin and, you know, just was able to hold everybody off? But, man, you started, they have you down as starting third, and Sherman came from ninth, and Swordout came from eighth, Lamal from twelfth. Uh, guys were moved, Van, Van Gilder finished eighth, he started 15th. Um, you know, this was a racy racetrack, according to what I can see here on my race pass. And, uh, the guys that you beat, Todd Sherman, LB3 is coming into his own. Mannix is coming into his own. Uh, Rick Swartout, of course, is always competitive at Butler. Um, what a show. I, I, you know, I didn't get to see it, but it looks good on paper. And it looks like you didn't, you, you said you walked away with it, but it definitely was one where you had to be on your marks. Yeah. I mean, we had a pretty good lead until the caution come out and, um, Costa come out at like lap seven. Another, the first one did, and I uh, like, I need to. Stop. I was like, I don't know if I held my breath for seven laps or what, but <laughs> I'm like, sorry, you, you've been here a million times. Just settle down, you know. Uh, and then I just kind of got in a rhythm, you know, and we were picking up lap, you know, lapping cars and stuff. And it's, you know, it's always tricky to go through lap traffic at Butler, and um, yeah. It, then with the caution, well, you know, with seven to, or with one to go, I mean, I guess it was two to go, but, you know, I mean, I knew Todd Allen told me basically that Todd was behind me and I felt if I just hit my marks, I was, I was fine. And I, you know, that's what I focused on was hitting my marks and, you know, it, it's, you know, I thought, God, I'm going to be a little rusty the first couple of weeks, you know, and well, so, you know, the car, the car just kind of basically does all the work for you. You just got to be. I don't know, dumb enough to stand on the throttle. So. <laughs> well, that's what I was going to ask, too. And, I, and, Rich, I don't know, I don't mean to steal your question if this was what you were going to ask, but, right, so we're looking at September of 2022, uh, maybe October if you did some specials, uh, as the last time that you were in a car. So, I mean, when you did strap back in, was it just like getting back on a bike? Or you, you did just talk about you felt like you held your breath for seven consecutive laps in the feature. Uh, was it a little was a little strange getting back into it? It was strange getting back into it for sure. I mean, you know, I always have that, you know, every time I've had an incident or something, you know, it's been in a race car, you know, 2007 was in a race car, uh, 2017, I had just gotten out of my race car, you know, so that's always in the back of my mind is when something going to happen, you know, but the way I feel now, I, I know that I'm good to go. You know, um, the doctors have reassured me that Corey, you're probably in the best shape you've been in in 20 years, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, it wasn't, I was nervous, you know, it was like, I guess, riding, learning how to, you know, not learning how to ride a bike all over again, but you know, it was like riding a bike, but the nerves were getting the best of me leading up to, you know, this whole deal, you know, so. All right. I'm, I'm going to take it a step further. Um, you get back in there, you finally win after all that time out. And in case you haven't noticed, the season's almost over here in Michigan. Um, Anything, any plans now to try to extend your season by going, maybe just go down to Indiana and go race a little bit longer this year? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm going to, I'm not going to run this weekend. I'm going to go out to, uh, to Butler this weekend and, and watch the all-star deal. And then, uh, the following weekend I'll run Butler on Saturday and we'll probably go somewhere on Sunday. Um, and it's when Butler is done, we'll, we'll plan on hitting some stuff down in Indiana um, or wherever we can go. Uh, then in January, we are planning to go back to Florida. 
Save me, save me a you spot know. in the toter. <laughs> I don't, I don't. We are planning on going back to Florida. Um, you know, and and by the sound we've talked, you know, by the sound of it, it's going to be more than just for, you know, a week. We're going to go down and do, you know, a couple weeks or you know, or, or longer. Um, you know, my brother hasn't used any vacation time because, or he used vacation time, but. He, act- like he, he actually took vacations when he used it. <laughs> wasn't just yeah. to go racing. You know, and, you know, he went and he got to do a lot of things that normally we don't get to do, you know, like he got to spend a lot more time with Mason out on the road, you know, and he yeah. went and did the Illinois Speed Week with Mason and Devin Moran. And so he got to do a lot of stuff that he normally don't get to do, you know. Well, Corey, but he also oh, go ahead. We got, so- enough vacation, we got enough vacation time to be able to go to Florida and, you know, and, and extend our racing season, you know. So I guess when I'm looking at this and, and you're getting back into it now and, and you've kind of set a timeline for, for two years, um, and, and Rich, I know this is a question you love to ask too, so I'm probably stealing another one, but now do you look at your bucket list and do you go, okay, if we're going we're gonna to run hard for two more years, do we start trying to mark those off or does that happen after you kind of hang up the full-time helmet and then you kind of go and do some things that maybe you've wanted to do. What are, what are, what are you looking at? I think we're going to do some traveling. Uh, I don't, you know, I, I'm not going to get myself wrapped up in a points deal. I won't do that again, you know. Yeah. Um, if it happens, it happens. But I'm not going to focus on points. Um, we want to run, you know, Fairbury and, you know, some, uh, you know, several different tracks, you know, that we've never got to go to or we've been tied up in a points deal and just couldn't go, you know. Um, you know, maybe head to Ohio and run some races, you know, where Madison and them, my daughter lives and, uh, you know, just kind of bounce around here and there, whatever money, you know, will let us do, you know. Corey, before we let you get out of here, um, we don't have time for you to thank all 50 people that were in victory lane with you on Saturday. Yeah. And I don't know if you've seen the side of his car either. There's a million stickers on the side of that thing too. Yes. But, uh, you know, man, you came, you got it back to victory lane and, and, you know, pretty cool deal. I think everybody was behind you, but who all makes this possible for you, man, to, uh, I know from all the doctors and everybody that worked, there were a lot of people responsible getting back, getting you back to where you needed to be. Sounds like if it wasn't for Jenny, man, we might not be talking about this right now. That better be, let me help you, Corey. That better be first on your list. Yeah, definitely. Most definitely. My wife, Jenny, she's, uh, that woman's a damn saint. I don't know how she does it. You know, uh, I put that lady through hell with this, with every, with this deal, you know, and, uh, obviously my brother, Allie and his wife, Abby, um, Bubba and Ray shop and Chris Riley and, um, my tire guy, Ryan, uh, you know, uh, Kim Groves from Groves Associates, uh, Tri-State Equipment, Becker and Scrivens. I mean, all the, you know, these guys were, were still wanting to give me money even though I wasn't racing and I'm like, I, we are not taking your money. Great. <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, I've, I've got so many people to think, you know, it's just unreal. The people, you know, like, uh, the Morehouses, McCaffrey's, you know, Josh Loma. I mean, that, that guy was on the phone with me every goddamn day, you know, checking on me or, you know, you know, even the guys I work with, you know, they're all non-wing sprint car drivers, but they were, you know, they were, messaging me or calling me you know like when i came home from michigan i didn't i i didn't have me have it in me to, to even go back to work you know i took a 
close to a month off of work, you know, and just went to doctor's appointments and tried to find myself, you know, through this whole deal. And, you know, they, uh, they, they I mean, there's just so many people that helped me through this whole deal. Like, you know, I've all, I've thanked them all personally, you know, and, uh, it's been a trip. I can tell you, I mean, I've lost, I mean, over 20 pounds and, you know, uh, I just, I worked my ass off to get where I'm at. So last question for, for you is, uh, you know, I, I I think it'd be pretty naive for you not to say that you have a really dedicated and large fan base uh, who follows you at Butler. But to the point where you became a <laughs> marketing point for that first week back on August 12th, uh, the Speedway put out a post welcoming you back to the wheel. Almost 500 reactions, almost 100 shares, uh, endless comments on that. And then, you know, you, I'm sure, felt the love when you got to the racetrack and unloaded that race car. How, and I know you as a person, too, so this is why I'm going to phrase it this way. How difficult is it for you to process all of that and and welcome all of that love and support that you get from the fans? You know, it it, it is difficult. And then, you know, like, that was, I guess, the biggest letdown for me was, you know, that everybody had hopes of seeing me race the first weekend back, you know, and, and, uh, I feel like I let them down, you know, but I, I feel like, you know, if they were there last weekend, I made up for it. And I thanked <laughs> every single one of them in the grandstand Saturday night. Yeah, like I said, if you go to my wife's page, there's a video. If you go to the end of it, it's, it's all, it's, it's focused on the whole night of me racing. And it has my interview on there. Uh, you know, I, uh, there wasn't a dry eye in the pit in, in, in the infield with me, uh, it was it was great to be back, you know. I've uh, I think I made a post here a couple weeks ago. You know, it feels great to be alive, you know. And it's you know, I don't think I felt more. I don't I don't feel more alive. I, I feel more alive now than I ever have. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Well, man, it's you know, uh, it, it, the, you know <laughs> a couple of times over your career we've wondered uh, if we were ever going to get a chance to see it again. And uh, that video you mentioned, you know, watching it back right now as we talk, you pull into victory lane and. First thing you do is wipe the tears from your eyes before you get out of the car, and that speaks a lot, man. So um, happy for you. I sent you a message before your first week back, but happy for you, man. Proud of all the work that you've done. And, you know, as a a young fan to now becoming an adult fan and and a friend of yours, uh, I consider you a friend. Uh, Man, I'm just so happy for you, and and congratulations. I'm I'm glad you're back. I I appreciate it. No, I I don't know what to say. I'm, I'm glad to be back, guys. Um, goosebumps, tears, and just a whole lot of awe about that story, Rich. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Corey has come back from so many setbacks and gone back to victory lane so many times that the Cinderella story you would think would get old, Rich, but it really doesn't. At 48 years old, the hurdles that he has jumped to be able to continue to do what he loves to do and now to hear his priorities start to change. He said, yeah, maybe 40%, 50%, maybe 60% of the drive to get better was to go racing. But I've also got daughters to graduate and to marry, you know, to have get married. And, you know, you kind of heard him stutter stutter step about maybe eventually at some point there being grandkids in the future. You kind of heard him navigate that because I don't know if Maddie's going to want to have kids or not. Her and Justin are really set on what they're doing with racing. But you hear that change in priority come, and, and uh, it really ties the whole thing together. 
60 years old. And that man has gone through 10 times more than what I've gone through in my life. And, and, you know, he just, it just listening to him. It was like, I have to ask a question here somewhere and I got to gather myself because it just, it kind of gets to you how hard, what everything means to him, um, how hard he worked the effort just to get back on the racetrack and have his life back. I want to play the clip that he was talking about um, from Butler when he's down in victory lane, Rich, and you, you just listen to this clip. Well, Corey, I know this year hasn't been the year you had planned on. Uh, had to wait a long summer to get out here to the track. Came out last week, had some troubles. Come out tonight. You park it here in victory lane. I know you've been waiting for this a long time. How's it feel? I don't even know what to say. I mean, got busted my ass to get back here. I uh, had an incident earlier tonight that I didn't want to come back and do that. It was a total accident. Uh, I got so many people to thank that have had my back through this whole deal. My wife, my brother, Josh Loma for letting me help him. It's the support team I've had to come back to more houses, McCafferty's. Nobody give up on me. I've, I've busted my ass in the gym every goddamn day to come back here and see all you people. By the way, Corey, glad to have you back. Uh, thank you, Tim and Ken Wilbur. You know, they've, they've busted their asses here to give us an awesome racetrack to work on. But, I mean, I'm, I'm just here to have fun. I mean, that's all it's about for me. You know, I'm uh, my brother and I made a deal that we're gonna have fun. I've got a gonna try to race two more years, and after that, we're gonna we're gonna be done. I'm gonna quit when I'm 50, and we're gonna try to you know bring somebody else up, either in this or in a sprint car, and try to have some fun. I owe this guy right here the world. This this guy right here. Every day on the phone with me, talking me down, telling me I'm not going to die. If it wasn't for him, I probably wouldn't have made, made it through some of this stuff. A lot of emotions here in Victory Lane. As some of you may or may not know, Corey had some health issues that stopped him from getting in the car earlier in the season. Got the green light, made it back out here to the Butler Motor Speedway. Puts it in the Jason D's trailer sales Victory Lane. Emotions are running high across the board. I'm not going to make Corey talk anymore. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together one more time for your Megalith UMP modified feature winner, Mr. Corey Bevar. So between the emotion in his voice and the crowd reaction to the emotion in his voice, that that <laughs> we're both looking at each other going, holy cow. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I I don't know if I need a tissue or go or just be yelling. Yeah, Silver Fox, go! Yeah, oh, yeah, glad to have you back. Yeah, I was like halfway in between. One one one, I was just so so entrenched into listening to him, and and the other one, I I just wanted to cheer for him so bad. Yeah, you know, and um, I'm just I'm just so happy for Corey, and I hope everything goes well. You know, he said he still got some things to get fixed, right? Yeah, but not they're not an emergency right now, but. Uh, just so glad he could be back in a race car and have it when he gets back in a week later, maybe 
but it ends up like this. That's pretty cool. Another feel-good thing real quick, uh, unrelated to Corey, but we mentioned last week about the tragic passing of uh, of Ed, the front-wheel drive uh, racer, number 53. Um, check out the Hartford Speedway social media page this week. They are doing multiple things with multiple organizations helping out. Right now, they have um, well over $2,000 raised with a $1,000 bid on a uh, air-conditioned suite for the September 9th Great Lakes Super Sprint Series points finale. All the money, every cent, is going to Ed's family. In addition to that, some folks have donated their reserve top-row seats to be auctioned off as well, and that was, was through the roof when I checked on it earlier today. Now, folks like you and me, Rich, we can't afford to outbid $1,000 uh, just you know willy-nilly. But what we can do is be a part of what other people are doing. And they said, whatever the end bid is, here's another 50. Here's another 100. Here's another 20 on top of that bid. Uh, and, Rich, I, I, I speculate to say they're going to raise a couple thousand dollars uh, at Hartford Speedway this week for that family. And, and it goes right until next week, I think through next week, because the race is September 9th. Uh, so a really cool thing happening at Hartford right now. Yeah, and I'll take it on that. We have a voice, right, Zach? We get out and we can reach a lot of people all at once. Uh, that's way, you know what? You talk about a thousand dollars suite. Somebody get out there and bid 2000, right? 2,500. Yep. Uh, you're, you're going to have a great time at Hartford and you're going to be helping a family and you will sleep better at night. Let's get the bids up even higher. Why not? Let's see how high we can get it. I love somebody, it. somebody bid 2000, somebody bid 3000. I don't care. I don't care who it is. You'll have a great night at Hartford and you're really going to help a family that needs it all at the same time. Absolutely. All right, let's take a look at this upcoming calendar, Rich. Bertrand Speedway back to racing on Friday night with the Thunder Championship night. Modifieds, Pure Stocks, and Mini Wedges will all be in action. Plus, the Must See Racing Sprints and National Compact Touring Series gates at 5, racing at 7.30. Tri-City Motor Speedway, the All-Star Circuit of Champions, the Tezos All-Star Circuit of Champions, brings their 410 cubic inch monsters to Tri-City Motor Speedway for the first time. Great Lakes Lightning Sprints, IMCA Modifieds in action as well. Gates at 3.30, racing at 7.30 Friday night. And then also on Friday, it's a modified special, $5,000 to win at Kalamazoo Speedway, plus street stocks and zoo stocks in action. Gates at 2.30, racing at 7.30, Rich, on Friday night. And then we flip to Saturday, Zach, Flat Rock Speedway, like I had mentioned earlier, season championship night, Outlaw Super Late Model Street Stocks, figure eight, a 250-lap enduro. Because of all that, we're backing it up. We're going back to the springtime. We're going to start at 6 p.m at Flat Rock on Saturday, so a special start time. Butler Motor Speedway, night two in Michigan for the Tezos All-Star Circuit of Champions. The third annual Mace Thomas Classic. Street Stocks, four cylinders, also in action on Saturday at Butler. Gates open at 4 p.m., hot laps at 6, and racing at 7.30. By the way, the Mace Thomas Classic, $8,500 to win Saturday with the Tezos All-Star Circuit of Champions. I think that's going to be a good race at Butler. I think so. And then we're going to re- then Saturday, uh, you know, they just big show after big show. I don't know why we just just don't keep mentioning it every week. Owasso Speedway, the 12th annual Ron Hauser Memorial for the real Reveal the Hammer Outlaw Super Late Models. $10,000 to win. It's also round three of the quad crowned at Owasso. Uh, all other house divisions will also be in action. Gates open at noon. Racing 7 p.m. at Owasso on Saturday. Before we wrap things up, Rich, I want to say thank you, and I want to say good luck uh, to all the parents and teachers who are returning back to normalcy this week as uh, school around the state of Michigan. Some started today. Most everybody else goes back tomorrow, including 
my young little daughter, she'll go to uh, she'll go to uh, Head Start uh, at Quincy uh, coming up tomorrow is her very first day, so we're looking forward to that. Uh, you got a tissue, Daddy? You got I, a little tissue? Going? I can hardly talk about it, so shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but uh, good luck to all the teachers who are returning this week. And, uh, you know, Derek Bean helps us here with Horsepower Happenings. He's part of the education system. Uh, my great sister-in-law, Emily's in education as well. Um, so uh, good luck to all those people who are going back. So uh, on behalf of uh, Scott Menlin, who pays the bills and sometimes gives us graphics when we want, when he wants, uh, <laughs> Rich France, who's always a great help, a uh, huge thank you. To, uh, to, to Corey Bivar for joining us, Chase Burrow being on the show as well, and a huge thank you to you, the fans, for uh, keeping us going here at Horsepower Happenings. Until next time, same time, same place next week, right here, it's Horsepower Happenings. You've been listening to Horsepower Happenings. The views and opinions expressed in tonight's show may not directly reflect that of Horsepower Happenings. The contents of this program may not be reproduced, retransmitted, or disseminated without the express written consent of Horsepower Happenings. Follow Horsepower Happenings on Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, and iTunes to keep up on what's happening.